Church family, you're finding the book of John chapter 13. We'll begin to read in verse 18. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject, the number one excuse. The number one excuse. John chapter 13, we'll begin to read in verse 18. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in John chapter 13, begin to read in verse 18. The Bible says these words. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit. And testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom... I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this. For some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things that we need for the feast, or that he should have given something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was not. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through this text this morning. God, I pray. Lord, I pray that you will convict those who've never been saved uh, for their need of salvation today, and they'll turn and receive Christ. Push away all excuses and simply turn and trust Christ. God, I pray for someone who may be a member of this church or who's been a member of another church for many, many years someone who may listen to this message in a rebroadcast, and they've been affiliated and associated with the church for most of their life, and everybody thinks that they're saved, but they, they never really have been. They're a hypocrite. God, I pray that you'll convict them of the true reality of their soul, where they stand with you today. And I pray, conclusion of this message, they too will turn and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. I pray for a church family, God, those that are rightly related to you today, that, Lord, we really will pause and ask your Spirit to search us. Is there anything beginning to develop in our life, any habit, any tendency, any attitude that's out of line with the holiness of Jesus Christ, that someone could notice and maybe call us a hypocrite? God, I pray that you'll shine that out and we'll experience your forgiveness today. We simply ask that your will be done in every heart in life. Bless this time. Be honored through it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. You know, the number one excuse that most lost people in the South um, share and give uh, for why they won't be saved. Uh, you've heard it a hundred times. The church is full of hypocrites. You, you've heard it so many times. Uh, and, you know, Judas was a textbook hypocrite. Well, what is a hypocrite? Well, it's an actor. It's, it's someone who pretends to be something that they're really not. 
Um, they're, just, they're just a play actor. Judas lived and ministered among the other 11 disciples. But in the very end, he, he betrayed Jesus Christ. And you know, we really don't know how many or what percent of the church is made up of hypocrites. Uh, there's a lot of different evangelists, Christian leaders uh, who have thrown out different numbers. And I know why they've done that. Because of their experience in ministry over the years. They've seen a lot of things come out of people who profess to be saved that there's no way habitually those things can continue to be there when the Holy Spirit's there. Um, so you, there's a lot of different percentages people throwing up, but we really don't know. But I'll say this, you can look to this text and say maybe possibly one out of 12. Jesus had 12 apostles and one was a hypocrite. So that means if we got 120 people in the church or 100 people in the church, you do the math. Uh, one out of every 12, it's possible, uh, because these were with Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible teaches, though, friend, is that there will be play actors in the church. That means people who've come forward, they've made a profession, but listen, but Christ has never had a possession of their heart. They, they, they repeated the plan of salvation, but they never received the man of salvation. And so they're just simply that, members of the church. But deep in their heart, there's nothing spiritual that's there. I want you to notice these four truths this morning that stand out in our text from the life of Judas. Number one, I want you to notice a necessary choice. A necessary choice. From the outside, everything looked great about Judas. Uh, first off, there was his apostleship. He was, he was one of the twelve. Uh, Jesus chose twelve disciples to follow him to be apostles and he was he was one of those uh, Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 saying when he called his 12 disciples to him he gave them power then say he gave 11 of them he says he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease now the names of the 12 apostles are these First, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas, Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So he was, from the outside, everybody thought everything was great with Judas. He was, he was one of the apostles. There, so there was his apostleship. Not only that, but there was... There was his academia. Uh, when it came to academics, spiritually, Judas was one of the 12 that had the best seat that there's ever been. There's never been three and a half years of opportunity to learn more about God than these 12 had. I mean, they walked with the sinless Son of God for three and one half years. They went to school every moment of their life that they were in the presence of Christ to hear him speak, to see the things that he did, uh, to look back and to see all of those Old Testament uh, sacrifices and to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those, uh, to see all of the Old Testament feasts and to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those, to hear all the I am statements, to think about the manna and that Jesus was the bread of heaven that came down, to see all of these, to see his prayer life, his dependence upon God in prayer, to see all of these things. He had the academia. Uh, so there was his apostleship, there was his academia, there was his approval. You know, we hear a lot in the news about approval ratings, right? 
You know, this approval rating's gone down. Now it's gone back up. This approval rating for this politician has, has tanked. Judas had a 100% approval rating. He had the highest approval rating of all the other disciples. How do you know that? He was the treasurer. You think about that. I mean, every church has to have a church treasurer. And so when you think about that, have you ever thought the church gets together and says, you know, let's find the most dishonest person in the church to take care of the finances. I mean, the one that's just going to betray God in the last days of their life, let's get them to handle that. No. We find one of the most trustworthy people who has the impeccable integrity, um, who just seems by their character to display that, that they have everything that's needed to be trustworthy. That's who Judas was. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 6, he had the money box. Uh, John chapter 13 and verse number 29, he had the money box. I mean, Judas was the treasurer. So he was highly respected among his peers. Nobody but Jesus knew or suspected that Judas would be the betrayer. So there was his apostleship. He was one of the twelve. He had leadership. He, there was his academia. He knew so much about Scripture. He knew so much about God. He had the highest approval rating of all of the twelve. And notice then there was his attendance. He was always present for service. Anywhere that Jesus went, he went. He was always there to serve. For three and a half years, he served, he preached, he went on mission trips, he ministered in the name of Jesus Christ. But you listen to me. He was never born again. Everything from the outside looked great, but something was different from the other 11. He had never fully repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of his life and been born again. So all of those things were realities in Judas' life, but one thing was not. He had never chosen to be born again. It's, it's a necessary choice. Uh, you know, imagine if it was possible. All right, stay with me. Put your little thinking caps on. To go back 2,000 years ago in a time machine, and you went back to Jerusalem, and let's just say you sat down on a, a little corner wall and there you were one day, and you were just looking for somebody maybe to witness to. You just had the opportunity to go on the mission trip back in time 2,000 years ago. And let's say somebody came by, and they had a, a box of money in their hand, and it was jingling, and they sat down beside you just to rest for a minute. And you began to strike up a conversation with this gentleman. You said, uh, hey, my name's Chad. Uh, what's your name? He says, well, my name's Judas. You say, well, that's, that's great. Can I ask you a question today? If you died today, are you certain that you would go to heaven? And this man Judas, who's the subject of our text today, well, he would have looked at you absolutely and he'd said, well, yes, I am. I'm absolutely sure. And you could have followed up that question and said, well, sir, how can you be certain? And do you know what he would respond to you with? Well, I'm one of the 12 apostles. I was chosen by Jesus Christ to be one of the, the 12 apostles. Well, do you not know that for three and a half years, I've learned about God at the feet of Jesus Christ? I know things about God most people don't even know because they've been revealed to us by Jesus himself. But he says we'll later be revealed to what he calls his church. I've got the highest approval rating. Do you not know I'm the church treasurer? All the money that our ministry receives, I'm responsible for all of it. 
And do you not know how I've served the Lord these past three and a half years? I've stood and preached the gospel. I've ministered to the poor. Why, we 12, we've gone out on mission trips as Jesus has sent us out. I have served the Lord faithfully in this ministry for 12 years. That's what, that's, those are the things that Judas would have said if you could have gone back 2,000 years ago. But John chapter 3, friend, talks about another individual who's very religious, just like Judas. His name was Nicodemus. He came seeking Jesus at night. He really wanted to know the truth. And listen to me. He was very pious. He was very faithful in his service to God as much as he knew. And Jesus looked at this religious man, listen. He said in John chapter 3, verse 7, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Not, not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. Because all people are born spiritually dead. And the most important choice anyone ever makes in their life is what they do with Jesus Christ. And so Judas from the outside had all of these important things that people tag here in the South. That people say, oh, he's a good God-fearing man. But inwardly, friend, he was hollow because he had never been born again. It's, it's a necessary choice. He was a hypocrite. He, he, he played the role. He did so much good. Do you know, friend, it's possible? Someone would have walked up and said, do you know that the reason I'm saved is because of Judas Iscariot? I'm saved today because Judas Iscariot preached the gospel and told me how to be saved. But listen, Judas himself never responded to that same message. He never turned and trusted Jesus Christ. Friend, you hear me this morning. Listen. Even a counterfeit dollar bill can do a lot of good. It can buy medicine. It can buy food for a hungry baby. It can do all kinds of good things until its true identity is fully discovered and finally discovered. Then it's destroyed. So even counterfeit Christians can do good until their true identity is discovered. And then, friend, one day they're destroyed in a place called hell. Why? Because they didn't experience the necessary choice, and that is to choose to be born again by the grace of Almighty God. Every person must be saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says you must be born again. There's a necessary choice, but not only that, friend, I want you to notice a neglected command. Judas had a neglected command. On Sunday nights, if you haven't been coming on Sunday night, I hope you'll start. Um, for the past several weeks, we've been going through some commands that Jesus gave the church. And these are foundational building blocks in the life of a disciple. And the first command that we looked at came from Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, where Jesus said that the kingdom of God is now at hand. He said, repent and then believe. Repentance is to turn from sin and then to believe on Jesus means, friend, to trust Him to be Lord of your life. It's the first command that everyone must respond to. Do you know that when Jesus preached this, Judas was present? He was there to hear this. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, when Jesus issued the second command, to follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, bodily, Judas followed Jesus. But in his heart, he never did. Why? Because he rejected. He neglected that first command. 
Judas had heard the same commands that everyone else had. Remember in John chapter 6, a few chapters back, there had been a great following. People began to follow Jesus. He had just fed 5,000 people. There were the miracles, the signs. And, you know, in today's vernacular, Jesus was trending. He was trending. He was the talk of the town. Uh, all of these things, you know, people that had phones. Uh, it, you know, used to, the word, you know, went viral mean you got sick, right? Well, now it means, you know, everybody knows about it. So Jesus would have gone viral because he had fed 5,000 people with just a little boy's lunch and then had more left over than what he started with. But then he began to lay out what the true life of a disciple would look like. He says, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Not physically, but spiritually. You're going to internalize me. I'm going to be your life. You say you're disciples, I'm defining what the life of a disciple is. And the Bible says that in response to that, in verse number 60, therefore many of his disciples, Judas included, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can, who can understand it? He would have said it in his own heart. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. Verse 61 says, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that speak to you are spirit and their life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Listen, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Jesus knew this. He knew who would. He knew everything. The Bible says in verse number 65, therefore I, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless the Father has granted it to him. And verse 66 says, and from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Judas was bodily present, but listen, friend, in his heart, he was never there. He was never there. Verse 67 says, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter, friend who had got all in, when Jesus said, Repent, follow me, he did it. The Bible says he forsook all, and he followed Jesus Christ. And Simon Peter answered said, Lord, where are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Did I not choose you twelve? Listen to me. Jesus chose all 12 to be saved. He wanted all of them. He didn't choose 11, and Judas was the scapegoat. All 12 had the same opportunity. He said, did I not choose you 12? Listen, and one of you is a devil. Jesus knew. In his omniscience and in his sovereignty, he knew all things. He knew who would and who would not. In verse 71 of John chapter 6 says this, He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Judas had had every opportunity that everybody else had. But look in our text today in John chapter 13. The Bible says once Jesus handed him the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And that was his problem. He had never allowed Jesus to enter him. He, he had apostleship. He had the academia. He had the approval. He had the, he had the attendance. He was all these places. But Christ didn't live in his heart. There was a neglected command. He did not repent, and he did not follow Jesus Christ and receive him to be Lord of his life. 
And therefore, Satan entered him. Christ's command still rings out today, friend. You hear me. I don't care how good of a person you've been, how many churches you've been a member of, how detailed your service resume is. You must be born again. You must repent. You must believe on Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. He commands it. It's man's first responsibility to turn and receive Jesus Christ. We saw a necessary choice. We've seen a neglected command. But I want you to notice now a natural comparison. A natural, I'm sorry, a natural compassion. A natural compassion. Look what the Bible says in verse number 18. Jesus says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I've chosen. Well, who did he, who did John chapter 6 say he had chosen? All 12. He wanted everybody to be saved. He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. It was prophesied before Judas was ever a twinkle in his mom and dad's eyes that he would betray Jesus Christ. Now, friend, don't you listen to me. This is where our minds get just stretched and pulled because God's mind is not our mind, and our mind is not God's mind. Judas had every opportunity to be saved, but God in his omniscience, who knows all things past, present, and future, knew that he wouldn't. And so God, through the psalmist, prophesied that Judas would betray Jesus. Verse number 19 says, Now I'll tell you before it comes to pass, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. This was not one of the signs of the book of John, but it was another sign that Jesus was who he said he was, for he knew all things. Verse 20 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And when Jesus, listen to verse 21, had said these things, when he began to speak about Judas, and that Judas was going to betray him, you listen to me, friend, that Judas was going to kiss heaven goodbye, he was going to throw away the opportunity that he had to be saved. Look at verse 21. He was troubled in spirit. It broke the heart of Jesus Christ that Judas was going to die and go to hell. Would you ever listen to someone who says, well, you know, Judas was getting what he deserved. Friend, every one of us deserve hell. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve hell. Judas, he made the wrong choice. But notice the, the, the natural compassion. It's not natural for us. Somebody betrays us. Man, I want to be there when they get it. And I want to watch it. And I want to help them get it. That's the reaction of the flesh. That's our natural reaction. But the natural reaction of God is I don't want Judas to go to hell. How, how do we know that? Listen to what Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse number 11 says. This is God speaking. Listen. After the northern kingdom had made two golden calves and rather worshipped God, they worshipped these golden calves, became so entrenched in idolatry and all the sinful practices that were tied to that. And the southern kingdom 
completely rejected all the prophets that God sent, encouraging them to repent. When he told them, listen, I'm going to send Babylon. Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, I've told you what's going to happen if you don't obey me. God in his love and his compassion had sent all of these prophets to try to tell the people to repent. What'd they do? They thumbed their nose at God. They continued merrily on the way. There would be moments of brief revival, but it didn't last. They just continued to, to worship false gods. They oppressed the poor, widows, people who were needy. And so God sent judgment, 586 B.C., and many people were going to die. But listen to what God says through Ezekiel, Ezekiel 33, verse 11. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Friend, it doesn't make God smile one bit that one soul dies and goes to hell. Every person that is offended, the righteousness of God, it doesn't, it doesn't make God happy. It breaks his heart. He says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turns from his way and lives. Turn, God says. Turn. It's, it's a double emphasis. Turn, turn. What does that word turn mean for us in the New Testament? Repent. Repent. That's what God's telling them to do. Turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? God had a broken heart that Israel's going to be judged. And Jesus demonstrates here, friend, he had a broken heart that Judas was going to die and that he was going to go to hell. John 3, 16, for God so loved. It's a natural love. You and I don't have that. The only way we can experience it is for the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to, and to begin to develop and then bear that spiritual fruit in our lives. But for God, it's natural. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates, but God, he demonstrates his love, his natural love to us in this way. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. God did that for us. Why? Because that's his Natural love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 says this. Beloved, let us love one another. For, God, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. For our sins. Unless someone tries to say, well, you know, that's just for, for those who choose to be saved. Friend, I want to remind you what two chapters over, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, John says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. That's all of us who have been saved, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. God loves everybody. That means, friend, a terrorist right now in the Middle East that's making a, a chest bomb to put under a jacket to walk in somewhere and to blow himself up and kill innocent people, God loves that person, and he wants them to be saved. Some wicked, disgusting pedophile that's hid away somewhere in a dark room right now, 
with intent and bent on evil. God wants to save that man or woman and see them have a new life that can only be found through Jesus Christ. You scrape the bottom of sin's barrel, friend, and whatever you pull out in a person, I'm telling you, God loves that person. He loves them, and he wants them to be saved. It's, it's a natural love. John chapter 13 and verse number 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus still loved Judas. Even when Judas had already gone before and talked to all the Pharisees and Sanhedrin to see how much he could get for Jesus. Jesus still loved him. When he was walking into the garden to kiss him, Jesus still loved him. I want you to hear me this morning. If you're here and you've never been saved, I want you to know God loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be saved. You have someone that's done you wrong and you're just dealing with anger and issues and you're, you're so bitter against that person. You, you just, friend, I don't make light of what it is they did to you. I don't make light of that. But I want you to know, friend, in Christ you can love that person. You don't have to like what they do. You don't have to approve of what they did to you. But you can love their soul as you yield yourself to God. It's a natural it's a natural compassion demonstrated by Jesus Christ that he wanted even Judas to be saved. The fourth I want you to notice, a naive compromise. A naive compromise. You know, Matthew chapter 26, it details Judas' meeting before the, the Last Supper. The Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse 14, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priests. They had already made it well known. They wanted Jesus. They wanted to get rid of him. And we don't know what all. We can only assume all the things that had, were going on in Judas' life. Had he carried the money box so long that he had fallen just in love with it and he couldn't get enough, he, he wanted more? He was certainly taken from it. Verse 15, and, and, and said, they said, you know, what are you, he says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And so they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. And so from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. You need to understand in the Hebrew culture of that day, 30 pieces of silver wasn't a great deal of money. You know, it's not like they gave him $30 million. Not that that would be enough. There is an amount. But it's not like he was winning the lottery. It was just a small amount of what we would call chump change. He's like, well, it's better than nothing. That's how little he cared about his soul. He didn't see his souls of worth. Listen to me. Do you know really the worth of something is really determined by what somebody will pay for it? It is. Um, many of you, many years ago, had steel lawn furniture. You know that after time the paint would begin to get real of a matte finish and you'd sit down on it and then you'd take it with you? You know what I'm talking about? And so, and a lot of people would take it out, you know, in, in the back and let weeds grow up under it. Well, man, there's just been this revival of things of the past. Man, people are paying big money now for those things. They're going around to auction places and trying to find uh, those things. Campers. Everybody's wanting a camper that looks like something, you know, that Leave It to Beaver would, 
drive on vacation, retro. And, you know, 10 years ago, it was sitting rotting in a deer camp somewhere. And now somebody's selling it for 100 times more than that. So how's that possible? Something's always worth what somebody will pay for it. I want to tell you something. Your soul is of worth. Why? Because God gave his son's life to pay for it. You may not care about your soul, but God cares about your soul. He cares about your soul. He wants you to be saved. And Judas, he had a naive compromise. He threw his soul away for 30 pieces of silver. Chump change. He just threw it completely away. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 47, and while this is after the supper, it's after Jesus has prayed, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign. This is Judas. Judas said, Whomever I kiss, he is the one sees him. And immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. He kissed him. And at that very moment, friend, for 30 pieces of silver, Judas kissed heaven goodbye. He kissed it goodbye. A naive compromise. He absolutely threw his soul away for 30 pieces of silver. Mark chapter 8, begin to read in verse number 34. Jesus speaking again of discipleship. Judas would have stood in the mix. He would have heard this. And when he had called the people to himself, listen, with his disciples, this was early in Christ's ministry, also he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about what happens, friend, when the Spirit of God convicts you of your lostness. Jesus said, no man comes except the, the Father sent me. The Spirit who sent me draws him. The Spirit of God has to convict and he draws. But then we make a choice to turn from control of our life in repentance and surrender control of our life to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus. You be Lord of me. And Jesus said, when you lose your life, you give it to Jesus, you find Christ's life spiritually and life more abundantly. But listen, there's a reverse truth. If you hold on to your life and you won't give it to Jesus Christ, you lose eternal life. A naive compromise. And then Jesus said in verse number 36, for what will it profit a man... Not just 30 pieces of silver. Listen, what will it profit a man if he gained the whole world and he lose his own soul? Because one of these days, friend, physically, you're going to die. It doesn't matter what medical advancements there are, how much you work out, how healthy you eat, sooner or later, you're going to die. And everything that physically that you've considered worth, that you have accumulated or hoarded and held on to. And it may not even be physical. It just may be uh, mental things. That, you know, you've worked your whole life to get a following and to build a brand. And you've created some little following in mafia. 
None of that thing does, none of that does you any good in eternity because you can't take any of it with you. Jesus, what profit a man if he gained the whole world from North Pole to South Pole, but he loses his own soul? A naive compromise. An absolute naive compromise. I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you willing to go to hell for? Judas was willing to go to hell for 30 pieces of silver. What are you willing to go to hell over? What sin do you have that you will not let go of that keeps you from surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that is worth burning in the fires of hell for all eternity? There's nothing. There's nothing that's worth going to hell over. But what a naive compromise. Are there hypocrites and play actors in the church? You betcha. I've been in ministry now for 23 years, and I've seen them from the first day I was in, and I still see them today. How do you know that? Because, friend, there are tendencies, there are habits in their life, there are wake-up, go-to-bed things in their life that they live out every day that are in complete, complete difference and out of parallel with the life and holiness of Jesus Christ. There's no spiritual fruit in their life. That shows they've been saved. So are there hypocrites in the church? Yes, and there always will be. It's the number one excuse. But, well, the church is full of hypocrites. You're right. So? So? But guess what? If you don't repent, if you don't believe on Jesus Christ, you're going to get to die and go to hell with those same hypocrites and be with them for all eternity. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what sounds like a better deal to you? Believe on Jesus Christ, turn from your sins, surrender your life to His Lordship, and be saved. Then be able to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, follow me, which by we're able to experience His grace, which strengthens us in every challenge. And I'll be the first to admit, hypocrites, lost church members will drive you nuts. Can I get an Amen. So God's grace will be present and available to help us to live through this life, to face every challenge. And then one day, friend, when we draw our last breath, all because of Jesus, we get to go spend eternity with him and never put up with a hypocrite again. Or you can allow a hypocrite to keep you from being saved, and then you can die and go be in hell with that hypocrite for all of eternity. Which sounds like the better choice to you? I'm glad I trusted Jesus Christ. I'm glad I trusted Jesus Christ. If you don't repent and believe on Jesus, friend, that's where you're going to go. So quit looking at the hypocrites, listen, and look at Jesus Christ. Man will fail you. Jesus never will. He'll never fail you. He loves you. He died for your soul, no matter what sin you've committed, just like Randy sang this morning. If you'll turn from that sin and you'll trust Jesus to be Lord of your life, believing that he died, he rose again, and you want him to come sit on the throne of your heart and be Lord of you, friend, he'll look at you and you'll say, now what about my sin? He'll say, what sin? It is paid for, it is buried, never to be brought up again. Now, that sounds like a good deal to me. If you've never done that, why don't you do it right now? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. No one's packing up. No one's...
a little bit. All we're doing right now is focused on the invitation. What excuse have you been given for why you won't be saved? There's no good, there's no good excuse. God loves you. He sent Christ to die for you. and He's waiting to hear from you right now. Won't you receive Him to be Lord of your life? Turn from all your sin. Confess Him to be Lord of your life and He'll save you. Tell Him so right now in the simple prayer of faith where you sit. Pray just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe He rose again. No more excuses. None. Holding on to no sin anymore. I turn from it all. I turn to Jesus. I'm believing on Jesus to be Lord of my life. Save me, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, I want to invite you when they begin to sing here in just a little bit after we conclude praying, to make your way to the front where I'm standing. I want to encourage you in that decision. I want to tell you what God wants to do next in your life. And there's someone else I want to talk to this morning. I don't have a face in mind. It's just a person. Are you a hypocrite? Are you, are you a lost church member today? You've, 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 got, you've got the association. You've, you've got the academics. You've been in every Bible class, marked every Bible, every book, been in every Bible study. Oh, everybody thinks you're wonderful. They just love you. And you've, you've been involved in the church. You're involved in everything. But you've never been born again and you know it. Friend, turn away from all that today and do what Judas didn't do. And that's repent and believe on Jesus today. You pray that same prayer. You've heard it a thousand times. Pray it today and mean it with all your heart. Now, I will say to our entire church family today, well, texts like this are a great opportunity just to pause and say, God, is there anything in my life that a lost person could look at or watch? anything at all that the devil could use to help them build that excuse and say, well, look at that hypocrite right there. They do this. Or listen to this. They don't do this. And I pray you'll turn from it today. Our Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. God, we pray for those today who are lost, who are still in need. We pray your Spirit will convict draw and we pray lord they'll make the choice today judas never did is in hell burning right now wishing he could have one more invitation one more invitation but we've got this one and i pray no one's going to waste it i pray we'll simply respond to what the spirit of god calls us to right now in jesus name let's reverently stand our feet heads are bowed